what up, fam? It's it's the pod people, and we're coming back at you with another mini review. I'm your host, Matisse Van Rossum, and uh, got a bit of a different lineup today. Ben is back in the great state of Iowa visiting his folks. Uh, Eugene is here. Say hi, Eugene. Hi, everybody. I hope you're all doing well. I got a nice bottle of ranch to keep me cool during these uh, warming up summer days, so hope you got one next to you as well. Stay Stay chilly. <laughs> and we're very excited to have a guest on the show today, our friend Hannah Becker. Thank you for joining us, Hannah. Thank you, Matisse. I'm excited to bring a little femininity in the air. With no, you. Yeah, we, oh, we need it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the boys today. It's the boys and the girl. I can hang with the boys, though. I'm oh, sorry. yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we know you can hang with the boys. Um, and today we're coming at you with... A review of uh, Get Out from 2017, uh, Jordan Peele's feature-length directorial debut. I think this is a fucking dope movie. I have not seen it since uh, Eugene and I went to see it in theaters when it came out last year. Which was an experience, to say the least. Not just oh, yeah. for the movie itself, but for the audience, which I, I think we've mentioned... Uh, many other times, I'm sure, on the show, but really, it uh, bears repeating that it was bad. <laughs> like, if you're going to go to a fucking movie, and you're going to pay money to sit in a theater, don't be on your phone the entire movie. Yeah, because yeah, there's nothing hilarious. wrong, because people were loud in the theater, but there's also loud, attentive. Like, when we saw It, at least people were, were reacting to what was going on right. screen, but Instead of people just there having just, conversations at full Conversations, volume. yes! Well, like, it just seems weird that someone would pay. Like, it just seems, like, don't, aren't you aware that you're absolutely wasting your money? Like, it's not about ruining other people's experience. Like, this is a waste for you. Like, right, you go, go right, like, why would you do that? Like, right. if you're, if you're just gonna sit on your phone like watch a movie at home like that's fine right, don't fine. you know this costs like 27 dollars <laughs> <laughs> movies are so expensive yeah seriously it's it should be it should be a place where everyone agrees like we're all paying to just uh keep quiet and enjoy whatever's on the screen but some people they, they just kind of take it as like quiet room to talk loud in <laughs> but right which yeah. is the fucking worst those are the people just looking for attention probably anyway but hey that's the nice thing about also getting to watch Watch movies at home because then you can do whatever you want. You can be on your phone. You can you can eat fries. <laughs> you, can, you can do whatever you please. And, and we were doing both of those things: <laughs> eating fries and being on our phones. <laughs> but yeah, this was a much better viewing experience, and uh, I was surprised on how many things that I picked up on this time that I sort of glossed over in the I movie theater. I mean, I guess knowing the the twist at the ending helps out because then you're kind of like, right. oh, I see what's going right. on there. Right, um, and so hopefully anyone listening to this right now, uh, the movie has been out for a good long while. We're sure that you've heard of it, but uh, we'll most likely be getting into spoiler talk as we usually do, so just... Um, Go and see it first, because it is, without a doubt, worth the watch. Yeah, uh, it won one Oscar? Best Screenplay. And Jordan Best Screenplay. Peele, first black person to oh, ever win yeah. uh, Best Adapted Screenplay. Really? That's yeah. fucking awesome. Not even Spike Lee. Not, Not even, even Spike Lee. Nope. <laughs> well, if this movie is is anything to base it, an opinion off of, I think Jordan Peele is a, a better filmmaker than Spike Lee. But, <laughs> For sure. I mean, I, I do love 
love me a good Spike Lee joint. But man, this is a fucking incredible directorial debut, well, I think. Well, especially because he's been mostly doing comedy. You know, like, right. I feel like a lot of people were unsure how this was going to go, and I feel like he really did a nice job. Yeah, to be like, oh, wait, Jordan Peele from Key and Peele is doing. Right. Like the new Keenan and Kel made a horror movie. Yeah, like. <laughs> Yeah, instead they just make good burgers, so <laughs> they pivoted. But I feel like you can see his comedic background in this because I, I honestly feel like they nailed the comic relief. Yeah, that is one thing that this does really well. Like comic relief can be really obnoxious in horror movies and overwhelming, when yeah. it's when it's handled poorly. This movie has the kind of comic relief where it's like a nice little break from the tension because mm-hmm. it's a super tense movie, I right. think. Like, very unsettling. Well, and that's what's hard to do with Comic Relief, I feel like, is to have it be actually funny but not take away from the the seriousness of what's going yeah. on. It's not just one specific character. There is a character who, for the most part, he is the funniest. He has I mean, the yeah, lightest attitude. His, t- his TSA but... buddy is basically the, the comic relief <laughs> right, guy. Right, Rod, which he is, uh, he, he is great. Just at, at any point, he's the voice of reason throughout the... Uh, yeah, he's the, the, he's the voice of the audience. Anytime uh, the main character, Chris, is telling him like what's happening, he's like, yo, get the fuck out of the house! <laughs> but there's still so much humor in just... Throughout the the movie itself, in the interactions between the main character Chris and even his his girlfriend Rose, or with just the the oddities of the parents, uh, Bradley Whitmore and Catherine Keener, who everyone in this movie just uh, does a really fantastic job, and so it knows how to play between this everyone just having a, an enjoyable time, cracking jokes, and then to be able to pivot into something more intense. It's a, it just seems so seamless. It's nat- I feel like it's really natural, and it's very subtle. Like, in the beginning, I think it's super funny when she's talking about how, oh, he's going to bring up that he would have voted for Obama again. It's kind of like, <laughs> right. he's like, I totally would have voted for a third term. And it's just like, <laughs> right. you're the dude who's like, oh, I have a black friend. And it was just, it was really subtle. And I, well, I, don't, yeah, I, I it was that was scattered throughout it. You, you mentioned, like, the, the balance between, like, the humor and the tension. And what is so good about that in a film that is... Uh, like very much about race and how like black people feel like they're treated by white people, but it's the opposite of what you normally see right. where it's like overtly racist. Instead, it's like you said, it's like, oh yeah, I've got a black friend. Right, yeah. Like it's the the diet racism. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Where it's not like they feel like black people are worse than they are but they're they're going out of their way to be like oh i like black people right, i don't right. i don't just like so i'm so strong you guys are so fast. cool strong and fast it's like wow well, oh, oh man i wish i were black yeah. <laughs> hey and there's so many without of, the oppression <laughs> there's so many of those nice little touches too one thing that i didn't pick up on the first time is when Rose's dad is showing Chris around and they're looking at the pictures and he's talking about how his father like ran in the Olympics with Jesse Owens oh, yeah, yeah. and that Jesse Owens beat him and he came in second and he's like, he never really got over it. Right. And yeah. I, I totally glossed over that the first time I saw it. But then thinking about the way the whole rest of the movie unfolds and like what these people's like schemes are, it starts to make you think like, oh, yeah, you're right. He never did get over the fact that Jesse Owens beat him. And that's why 
they want to like kidnap black people, you know. And, I agree. And I they want that. they want to be black people right. because he's like, yeah, well, Jesse Owens beat me because he, black people are faster or whatever. So it's that it's that diet racism, like he <laughs> yeah, said. Exactly. And how now uh, the 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 grandfather who started it all he has taken the body of their uh, their their groundskeeper essentially yeah. and he spends his time uh, like when we we see it first in the movie first time watching he's running around and uh it, it you know just seems weird and you think oh even when you find out that there's that body transfer that they just want to take advantage of that physical strength but then you, that connection as you said it hits that he's running because he's a runner yeah because he uh, he was beaten by Jesse Owens and so it's almost a way to say like just prove it to himself yeah well, he's, he's taking to uh, like a realization almost that day it's like that um that black people are almost like physically stronger but in in that instructional video and uh, um that uh their physical strength with their determination which essentially means intelligence <laughs> so right there's still levels of inferiority oh of course but this like this almost amazement at uh, uh another Physical race that they've yeah. exactly but that there's still a fascination behind it all so and like i we talk a lot about on the show about how in the last few years there have been so many good like high concept horror films right and i think this is really one of them that's like really totally original especially if you're gonna make a horror movie about race it the obvious choice would be like oh they're killing black people because they're racist and it's like jordan peele is is getting at like a much more subtle often overlooked racial dynamic difficult to define in like a oh they're racist they're doing this it's like no they're racist but they're also creepy, you know, and they're also kind of jealous and they're kind of... Right. It's not just that they're and, racist, a lot more to it. And going back to that, like, oh, I would have voted for Obama a third term <laughs> if I could. There's so much of that stuff at the beginning that's, like, funny, but at the same time, like, also kind of unsettling. Like, you're right. really in Chris's head and, like, just these really weird, bougie white people all around him. It's just, like, you feel just as uncomfortable. Right, like, I think everyone agrees that if, oh, if I were Chris in this situation, her family would make me feel kind of pretty uncomfortable. You know, even with the smoking thing, they're constantly like, you know, smoking's absolutely disgusting, right? And it's like, all right. (laughs) It's like, do you smoke in front of my daughter? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, oh my god. It's like every dude's worst nightmare going home to meet his girlfriend's parents, and this is like a a totally different kind of nightmare where Mm -hmm. they're like being too nice, like patronizingly nice. Right, well see, and then that's the, I feel like watching it the second time around, the daughter, Rose, was more annoying to me just because, you know, she tries so hard to come across as, like, his girlfriend being on his side or whatever. But then it's also, like, come on. Like, your parents are obviously being blatantly annoying and disgusting. Like, speak up. Speak up, uh, Yeah, girl. exactly. And I noticed this time, too, that she's almost a little bit patronizing right. at, at right. times as well. You know, like, especially when... Uh, they hit the deer and they call the cops and the cop is like, I need to see your license. And she's like, well, why? He wasn't driving. Like, you can't just ask to see his license. Right. And then when they get back in the car and they're driving, he's like, that was really hot. And she's like, well, yeah, nobody's going to mess ain't with my, my ain't nobody, man. Ain't nobody going to mess with my man. And it's like, oh, that's so patronizing. No, you're right. Even when, um, you know, when he's like, we need to leave, we need to leave right now. And they're standing by the lake. 
and you know she gets all sad and it's like she gets all sad and kind of is playing the victim like oh you're gonna leave me oh you're gonna leave me you know and he's like eventually he comes and he's like no I love you you know and she's like oh let's go together it's just that whole, that whole thing was so extra to me on her part because her whole family was blatantly acting crazy and it's like don't get all sad right. and weird about the fact that he's saying you guys should go it's like no you guys should fucking go and you both know it like obviously at this point we know She's got double standards, but right. Well, I think that's that's uh, that's one of the most interesting things for me watching it again is just wondering how. Uh, for a lot of the time, she's she's played as if she isn't involved in right. what's what's going on around her, and so you you start to question more of the things that she'll say. Like she made some comment when they're talking about the smoking. She says, "This is why I don't bring people back to the house." It was one of those things like, why are you making like an objection to this when I'm sure that this is a process that happens all the time? But then I thought that line, like bringing him to the house that we've seen in, from the beginning of the film, that there are other methods that they t- like the, the brothers is much more aggressive in trying to abduct right. them. So every yeah, other dri- way that she <laughs> drives around wearing a knight's helmet, yeah. just, like, <laughs> snatching people off the street, right, playing some nice old show tuny music just because I mean, like the, the more racist you are. The more like jolly your music is. I was gonna say it's very clockwork orangey. <laughs> yeah, it is. No, you're right. And that that guy, the the brother, seems like he was pulled right out of a clockwork right. orange. Like he's totally <laughs> such like a Manic, weirdo douche. Unstable. Yeah, and his his like gross little little tiny mustache. Yeah, right? And he's just like such a fucking uh, creepy weirdo. He's got his lacrosse stick. Even like what what is that? I know. And then at the dinner table. He tries to like put Chris in like a like a jujitsu hold or something, <laughs> and they're like, "Yo, stop doing this at the what? fucking table! Yeah. Like, chill the fuck out." And he just grabs a bottle of wine and walks off. And how when he shows up at the house, he's like, "What's up, fam?" <laughs> yes, and it's like this guy is studying to be a doctor, <laughs> right? They say that he's tra- he's studying to be a doctor. I'm like, no way, There's no way. Yeah, I would, I would, come on, I would never let this dude near me. Looks like he's studying to be like a pizza delivery boy or something more than a doctor, but uh, studying to be a lacrosse douche. Yeah, again, there's there's always the, there's that weird thing like you wonder how much uh, like. It seems like some things might be very extra or more overt than they might if they are honestly trying to like trick this guy that they seem to play their hands a lot. But uh, I think it could be taken just as a they've been doing this for so long. There's a sort of disconnect where even the people they're taking, right. it's like they don't really care about what they're they're feeling. Right. Which is what we see in the fam when there's that whole giant get together that everyone's just asking questions about his body, just things that don't really matter to his personality. Just um, just yeah, look, the, objectifying him basically. Well, they're well, all yeah. asking questions about really themselves, you know, because like the art dealer is asking about his eye and photography. There's the woman asking. About about his sex life and then there's the man asking about his golf game you know like they're all right they're they're sizing they're sizing him up as as a piece of meat and you're wondering (laughs) like what the fuck is going on here and the the one guy who's like black is very fashionable (laughs) right now it's like whoa (laughs) which is great because it's um i mean watching it again it's like well these people are very obviously just looking at him like uh like like a piece of meat or just waiting to 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 purchase him but uh i'm sure for um 
for for Chris is just sort of like a well, this is just how uh, how weird white people are right, about like he's, he's, race. Seen stuff like that before. Exactly. It's not well, that obscure. Like I know, like it's similar it, to that. It happens. It's right. just in this context, there's something much more sinister. Uh, apparently, it. the uh, the lead actor himself said that he. Uh, he wanted to be a part of this film because he felt like he had been in situations exactly like that, where he's just sort of oh being, yeah, uh, like leered at by. Uh, right. He's by really good too. No, he da- Daniel Kalu- Kaluuya, I think is. Yeah, I, I remember he was. He's in like my favorite Black Mirror episode, and he has like yeah, this fantastic speech yeah, at the he's end. In the, and, where he's on the bike, and right? Yeah, fifteen million merits. Show. Love that episode. And, uh, I'm. I'm a real big fan of that one, and it's great That's to, a good one. to know because I now he was he was recently in Black Panther. Yes, as well. he was. I I was surprised to see him show up. Uh, he doesn't have the biggest part in Black Panther. He doesn't get a whole lot of screen time. Uh, well, hey, he doesn't he get just, a chance to he, really showcase. You you at least get your face in a Marvel movie. That's like hey, you're, no, you're that's doing a, good. it's a step up regardless of who you are. Being in a Marvel movie is a big step right. up. <laughs> You know, something I'm glad they didn't do, though, talking about uh, the white people being patronizing to Chris. I'm glad they didn't have him fall for Rose at the end when she's like, oh, but I love you. Oh, I'm so, I'm really glad. Like, when she started to do that, I'm like, I swear, if they have him be a dumbass and be like, oh, maybe she, I'm glad they totally skipped over that. Right, right. or at least to try. If this movie was made by a white person, I think that's what what would have happened. Well, that's apparently something they wanted to try and subvert, just the idea of this white savior where all the white people are bad, but there's this one, there's at least this one white person who gets it. It's like, like, nope, they're all all bad. (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah, it's great. I I love the the escalation in this movie, the way it's played out because it's established relatively early on that Rose's mother is a hypnotist. Right. And she even hypnotizes Chris and in a very e- effective scene just oh going into his, uh Chris's backstory. It's uh they both do amazing in that scene in my opinion. Yeah, yeah it, I mean the the acting in this movie is like stellar across oh, yeah. the board. There's not a weak link. As I feel far like as I'm it's concerned. like that moment specifically is 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 what I feel is uh, like the the real horror in the movie. It's like that 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 probing like psychologically into somebody because you see how because. Uh, uh, Catherine Keener's uh, character, I forget what her name is in the movie, basically says, you know, like, I'm a hypnotist, I can help you quit smoking, and she sort of pushes him into this, uh, like, it, it starts happening before he's even ready. And right, he's very she, uncom- control, right, she just sits down with him like they're trying to have, like, a regular conversation. He's expressed no desire to be hypnotized. He's like, nah, that's weird, I don't really want to do that. And she sits down and just starts talking to him, and before he even realizes what's happening, right. she's already hypnotized And him. it's it's great, the, the tension, because you can see it's, it's painful for him to talk about, but it just keeps going further and further and it really hit me just him i mean the the tragedy in him is just <clears throat> his his mother was killed in a hit and run and uh the day that she was uh she was hit he was just at home watching television like and he, he was paralyzed she, just yeah she wasn't she wasn't coming home and he was afraid that something had happened to her but he didn't do anything because as a little boy, he was thinking that if he called somebody, like, it would make it real. Which is great that just the, the weight of the, the guilt and uh, yeah, just the, the fear itself of, of uh, something like that happening to a parent. It, uh, it, it just really hits. And then to know that it's all because he's under her control, basically. Yeah. It's, uh, it just begins to show how outmatched he really and is then- in this situation. 
And then that moment when she's just like sink into the floor and yeah, it just like that falls. That, that, that looks great too. Oh my just... god. That moment is so effective. The... You know what the those shots remind me of when he's floating? Monty Python. Every time they would go back to that, all I can think about is Monty Python. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't make that connection, but that's really funny. Yeah, the the galaxy song. Yeah. You know, and the meme, I always think of that every time I watch it. Love Monty Python, love Get Out. I've got no complaints. I'm yeah, no, it's, it's I always detach a little bit from the movie, and I'm like, oh yeah. The whole the whole idea of of the sunken place, I think, is really cool. It's a really cool idea for like being hypnotized because it would it would be so easy, just like in most movies and shows where hypnotism is a thing, to just like have him, you know, seem sleepy and dazed and, like, open to suggestion. Right. But this idea that when she hypnotizes people that they're, like, trapped in their head, like, watching... They're still semi-conscious. And, and how they... How he, he like sees the world through what looks like a TV, like yep. a TV screen or a little window from this like black underwater space. like space is really really cool. And like the first time you see that in the movie, that moment is is really good, especially after his whole weird experience with going outside to smoke and seeing the the groundskeeper like sprinting right. at him and then seeing the the housekeeper like admiring herself in in it the helps window you, yeah it helps you pay attention to the other people that have been hypnotized you know it's like you're acting really weird and them showing it in that manner i feel like helps you understand kind of how the people stuck in those bodies are feeling and and what's great is that like for the majority of the movie, you think that like the groundskeeper and the uh, and the housekeeper and like Lakeith Stanfield that they're just like hypnotized. You think that right. that's like right. the crux like of it, right? That they're that they're enslaved for for some reason, and then it totally ends up subverting that uh, in the third act when you find out that they're not hypnotized; they have the brains. Of these old bougie white people in their bodies, right? Like, well, that's like why... sort of hypnotized because they're stuck in the sunken place because well, they, 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 they have to have connect slice, the nervous system. Right, the the piece of the brain that's attached to the nervous system has to stay intact so that there's just a, enough left of their consciousness that they're uh, an unwilling passenger in well, their own body. Well, I feel like body. there's kind of a red herring in there, too, just because how much the TSA dude talks about sex slaves. Yes. And then it's kind of reiterated with the <laughs> right. woman who's like, oh, I hear you're great in bed, or, you know, whatever at the party. We're yeah, like, is it, is it true that it's better, she asks Rose, right. which is implying, yes. like, sleeping with a black dude better than a white dude? Right. Like... So I feel like that throws people off because I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, they're slaves, you know, so they're kind of like following this path. Like I said, kind of a red herring. And I think right. I like and which would that. be the the obvious assumption in like a movie about race, like, oh, right. they found this insidious new way to enslave black people. But then it's like, no, that's not, you know, right. exactly all that's going on here. Uh, I, I think that that's really, really fucking well done. Like, you assume that these people are hypnotized, but you're like, well, what's the motivation, you know? Right. Like, is it solely that they just want to have, like, subservient people, like, doing stuff for them? Because some of that stuff is like, oh, well, you know, why is he asking about his golf swing or things like that? Uh, and then you find out that that silent auction scene, I think, is really good, too. Yeah, I do too. The way that it's intercut with uh, 
uh, Chris and Rose by the lake and he's like talking about his guilt over, you know, he feels like he's responsible for his mom dying and how they just, you see all the, all the people from the party like filing out to the gazebo and the way they do that shot where they start on Rose's dad and he's like putting up his numbers. And then as they slowly zoom out, you see that they've got like a framed portrait of yeah. Chris next to like a them. Portrait. Right. So then you're like, Oh shit, they're, they're auctioning him off it's fucking creepy as shit you know yeah something i i didn't realize first time i was watching it but they all they're all wearing hats obviously yeah yeah but all like uh... all the black people i mean obviously uh georgina has a wig she has a wig which is shown yeah um... they uh that's right they all have hats to hide the uh the the incision on the on the top of their scalp I really like, even though he's not a huge part of the movie, I really like Lakeith Stanfield in this. I'm just a big fan of him in general because I really love Atlanta. Yeah, no, he's he's great in Atlanta, and he seems to be having the most fun out of anyone in the Death Note movie. <laughs> so I can at least give him credit Ugh, for that. Yeah, that at least he's he. Uh, it seems like he's trying. <laughs> no, I think I think he's a really good actor. Uh, I I'm right. Just Death Note movie was a whole mess. Oh yeah, that was so. a, that was that sloppy. How as they shit. make all the characters annoying? The right. But I just, that was my I'm like I, everyone got really annoying, and I don't remember feeling this way about the characters. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, that's that's, that's, that's a, for another episode. Yeah, I'm that's sure a whole other thing. thing. <laughs> Fucking Death Note, but yeah, like it's like, it's funny you mentioned that though because um, just another recent example of a great horror themed like piece of work that is um, that has to do with just race and things of that nature is um, the Atlanta episode Teddy Perkins with oh, Keith Stanfield is a big part of as well. That's a f- and, fucking um, phenomenal episode. It even has that that same level of misdirection that we had mentioned before where um of course if if people haven't seen it uh the the main plot is that lakeith stanfield's character is coming to pick up a piano from this eccentric millionaire but he has a very very strange almost doll-like white face and it's um it's presumed that he was a black man who ended up through something similar to what michael jackson went through he became white-skinned and uh, Lakeith Stanfield uh, like meditates on that. He 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 theorizes on that with his his friends. But the the millionaire himself is is claiming to be um, the the brother of an eccentric millionaire. While Lakeith Stanfield thinks it actually is the millionaire, and the episode right. never makes it it's, makes itself clear. That just gives you more to to, to think about and assume. And it uh, it's it's always great to have those people where you. You, you you feel like they're they're catching on to it and they're getting it right, but there's there's still more to be revealed as it happens. And yeah. it's just very clever writing. I yeah, if you, you do that, if you don't watch Atlanta, you should be. What are you doing? Yes, without a doubt. First season is great, very funny. Second season is still great, and still very funny, but goes into much darker territory and is incredibly successful in that regard. So yes, go go check that out too. I honestly it's haven't a- seen Atlanta. Holy oh, shit. Hey. I'm pretty quiet over oh, here. We recommend. Go check it out. First it. season on Hulu. So it. <laughs> it's a great moment, I think, for a lot of, uh, for, for at least black representation in film and television. I mean, we have another movie coming out called Sorry for Bothering You. I mean, it's a comedy, but it uh, it's about black telemarketers having to use their white voices. And so I'm sure that that will also have a lot to say just in terms also of Also starring day. Lakeith Stanfield. Oh, yes. He's no, the main, main character right. in that. Yeah, so, so. 
it's great to know that he is still getting work. He's just very weird, very uh, seems very thoughtful actor too. So yeah, I, I I agree with you. Even in the small role that he does have, it's effective. I just look forward to seeing more movies like like this, especially because uh, I think it shows what what's a great thing about movies in general is that this kind of stuff has not been seen before and it just takes a different uh, different eye to provide that for an audience. I just I just saw on the IMDb trivia page for this movie that not only was Jordan Peele the first African American to win an Oscar for best original screenplay, he is also the first African American writer, producer and director to earn more than 100 million dollars from a day in a debut film. Wow. Yeah, because wow. this movie. I mean, this yeah. was without a doubt it this was only made on like a 5 million dollar budget and it made right. like almost 250 million. I mean, this was like there were a lot of good movies last year, but I this was like hands down my favorite movie from yeah, 2017. Yeah, and kind of came out in, like February or something. Yeah, really early in the year. Like it's it's fucking amazing and they they shot it in something like 23 three days too, oh, like wow. super short wow, production. I didn't know that really. Yeah. Low budget. Like That's amazing. I mean, it just goes to show and we've said this many times before. Is that why phones? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> everyone has a fucking windows phone. Uh, but it just goes to show, like we've said many times before, like you can make an incredible movie with very little money. Right. Like you don't you don't need a huge budget to make a good movie. And also that if you want to make a horror movie and you can do it on a small budget, then you're going to end up finding yourself in the company of a man named Jason Blum. <laughs> you're going to end up producing probably a couple movies. Jordan Peele has announced a follow-up to this movie as well already. Um, not much is known about it besides that it's called Us. Uh, is that is that a direct follow-up to Get Out? Well, just his follow-up. I don't think oh, that okay, they're related. Okay. Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I, thought, I don't right. believe they're related. No, I don't no, think so. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I just saw the... Uh, all they've released so far is the poster, right. so I know nothing about it. Oh, but the Blumhouse must be a very... Because they've had successes, but they've all been meandering critically. And so Get Out was a great way, not just for Jordan Peele, but for Blumhouse, I'm sure, to help legitimize them just uh, so much more further. They're already making so much money, but yeah. they're just going to keep on doing it. <laughs> so, But to get back to some specifics, I love how, especially watching this a second time, like knowing the ending, knowing what's going on, how many little clues there are right. into I liked it more. I enjoyed it more. It was... I think I did too, actually. Like, we already talked about, like, the whole Jesse Owens thing, but what I also noticed, still when he's, when they're showing him around the house and they take him into the kitchen, they're like, uh, oh, uh, my mother loved the kitchen, so we, we try to keep a little piece of her in here, and as soon as they sure. say that, they pan in, and there's That's Georgina... Georgina who we find out at the end has the the mother's brain, the grandmother's brain in her body. So it's like we keep a little piece of her in the kitchen, and then there's Georgina. Yeah, that's, that's stuff great. like that. Uh, I also well, you know, actually, one specific thing I noticed too is with him. Uh, you know how he's always scratching at the arm. You know, oh the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Arm rest on the chairs. He. I just wonder if there was any purposeful significance with the cotton 
picking pieces of cotton out of the chair. Oh, oh, yeah. you, you know? know, you're right. And but it ends up being what saves him, right? Because he puts them in his ears. And you know, we were talking about this while we were watching it. I personally can't believe that he took the earplugs out as soon as he could. I would have left them in until I got out of the house. But yeah, that's yeah. beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, that's yeah, that's I, very cool. I I also read that the the music at the very beginning and the end. Uh, that has like the the Swahili, right? It's a, like, it's almost like a like a warning. Like well, yeah, it's it it translates into brother, run, listen to the elders, listen to the truth, run away, save yourself. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, I guess something that gave me goosebumps. Because uh, when Chris runs into Lakeith Stanfield's character, he can t- he can tell something's off, and he tries to get a picture of him. And once that flash hits, that's that's when we realize, like, I guess something about the flash, like, helps to bring out the the person hidden inside. The dormant, the dormant personality for, for just a second. And Lakeith Stanfield grabs him and tells him, get out, get the fuck out of here. And you think it's because, like, he's done something to offend him. But no, it's really because he's warning him, like, until he loses control again, like, get out of here. Like, don't stay. Which is why when Chris says, too, when he was saying that, that he felt like he knew him because it was a friend trying to warn him almost in a way. Right. Well, someone that he had, he had met him. He, yeah. he ends up really, the, the TSA agent, uh, like, oh he, yeah, that was that one guy. <laughs> yeah. Through some yeah. weird chain, it's like his, his friend's sister worked at the movie right. theater or something like yeah. that. He's well, like, yes, that is who that is. Right. And you know, when he when he's yelling, screaming, get out, get out, this is something that always, I feel like, is a recurring theme in horror movies where someone needs to get a point across in very little time and they cannot articulate that point. You know, it's like, why, like ooh, just stop screaming, get out, and say, like, like they're going to hypnotize you. You're in you. danger. Right. Like, they're going to... You just need, yeah. like, three seconds to be like, get out, run out of this house. They're going to kill you. Like, just something, you know? And it's just, yeah. obviously, with this, there's a little... I mean, I mean I it's, it's, it's a it's a movie, you well, know. Also, if they're <laughs> yeah. like they've got a tiny bit of consciousness, you know. Like if their brain is mostly gone, I feel like that's kind of an understanding in this. Film. Right, with all the rush, like that's the if there's one thing he can right. say, it's to say that. Right, like so. this may be more of a critique on other films that use that. In a less, <laughs> in a and it's great too because manner. it's also it's something that the audience has been saying to Chris for like the past hour right. at that point. Just, like, just get leave, out like, of there, leave. Man. And every time he gets his buddy on the phone, he's like, "Yo, they're gonna make you a right, sex slave." Like, she gotta hypnotize you. She hypnotized all of them. Get the fuck out of there. <laughs> right, that that is great. When uh, when Chris tells him that he that the mom hypnotized him immediately, he's just like, get the fuck out of there. Yeah. <laughs> just again being the rationale, which is is something I I loved as they as as we mentioned, we learned Chris's mother was killed in a hit and run, but she she did not die instantly. That there was time to try and save her, and so that's why he feels so much guilt because he 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 was frozen in fear and he didn't do anything. And there's a parallel with that in um, in his friend Rod, who after uh, Chris's phone has died and he hasn't heard from him, he's shown sitting at his TV. He ends up making that decision to start trying to help, and so yeah. it shows that he right. he could have just sat and waited, and then uh, waited for it to be real, and find out that he had he had you know been turned or that he'd never see him again. He ends up being able to to have the the courage to just like start diving further. So I thought that was really a really neat thing that they had going well, on. Well, I feel like he makes the audience feel better because you know so often you're watching a horror movie and you know everyone in the audience wants to yell like don't go there right. shut the door whatever and this guy's literally yelling it at the dude so you know like he's actually hearing it which is well then comes the frustration that he's still there but still at least someone in the film is like get the fuck out of there like what are you doing right, right. 
I also, the first time I watched it, I didn't think about the significance of Jordan Peele using uh, Redbone over the opening credits. I was just like, oh, fuck yeah, I love this song. And then I was when I was listening to it, this time we were watching it, it's like, the lyrics say, like, stay woke and don't close your eyes. So it's like... Also, kind of, I was gonna a, say, I've kind had a of a warning. Who brought up the stay woke thing. It's like, do you realize that the beginning song when you say stay woke? Well, that like, whole yeah. beginning injured too is a great progression because it starts with that that old show tuny run rabbit run, and then it moves into that um, the that, Swahili, uh, yeah, the Swahili, piece, yeah, and then uh, into Redbone showing this night, like the the differences almost in these cultures and what these songs are trying but to But all with the same with all the same message kind right. of. Y- yeah. yeah, that's really cool. Like to, to be careful. <laughs> I guess uh in an interview uh when Jordan Peele was asked about uh, the sunken place, I have a quote. He says uh the sunken place means we're marginalized no matter how hard we scream the system silences us. So oh, wow. that's, wow. I mean, that's something that I hadn't really thought about. Like, there's so much to unpack with this movie, but, like, that's a really fucking cool idea. Like, uh, a, a visual depiction of that in cinema. There's just so many levels to this movie. Like, the, I, I'm really fucking glad that Jordan Peele won the Oscar for this, for Best Original Screenplay, because he's a, he deserved it. He's a fucking phenomenal writer. I don't even remember all of what he was going up against in that category. I don't either. I was trying but to... I know that none of them were as well written as this movie. Well, and I feel like watching it again, I do have a better appreciation for it. I really didn't realize how much subtleties were in there and how much you really can unpack from this movie. It's yeah, so it's much. this is one of those movies that I think gets better on repeat viewings, just because there is there's too much to see the first time. And especially once you know what the movie's about and you know how it ends and everything that happens, like you start seeing these little breadcrumbs that he's left throughout the movie. Absolutely. Well, and that's just the mark of a great film, too. Like, I, for example, I remember watching The Descent, whatever, 15 oh, years yeah. ago. I love that movie. Well, and I remember being horrified. I watched The Descent and I was like, oh my God, that was so scary. I was like, I haven't been that scared watching a movie in years. So then, I, like, in, you know, six months, a year later, we were like, let's watch a scary movie. And I recommend The Descent and we watch it. And I was just like, God damn it. And it was like, I was, you know, I still appreciate it. I've got no hate for the descent, but just knowing everything that's going to happen, you know, not being surprised when the creatures would pop out of the water and stuff. I was like, I enjoy this movie way less. And I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with you on that. I mean, yeah, it, it takes some of the tension out knowing what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but man, and here we go getting off into another tangent. <laughs> like the descent is one of my favorite, more modern horror you know, it's movies. It's been honestly like five years since I've seen it. Maybe I gotta give it a rewatch. It's so fucking like tense and claustrophobic. Yeah, they're crawling through those caves. Oh, oh my, my god, Lord. dude. That's that's a fantastic movie. I want to do an episode on, on The Descent at some point. Um, that would be awesome. See, now I really want to rewatch it. Because I know, I know you're right. I remember thinking <laughs> like they do such a great job of yeah. making you feel claustrophobic. Like you're never going to get out. I, but, uh, it's just that that's the mark of any good horror movie if it can still find ways to be effective even if you've seen it multiple times for me something like it follows i think hits yeah that same, mark. It follows. same i still find it to uh for a movie to do that i think it needs to be able to get you in a certain state of mind every time when it starts and i think this that's get another out certainly accomplishes it through its, it uh, follows as another movie like get out where 
at least for me, every time I've watched it since the first time I pick up on more and more and more. And we're going to have an episode on It Follows coming out sometime within the next couple of months. It's on our schedule. Uh, so we'll talk more about well, that. It follows at that was time. another one too that didn't have a huge budget. No, they, super they low they budget. It. Yeah, yeah. Love it follows. Yeah, it's it's great. It's like when you don't have all of the money in the world, it's almost like it forces you to be creative. Yes. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> also, so much with horror when you you know you don't show too much, and you there is something to be said about leaving it too up to the imagination. You right. know, like your own brain is probably more fucked up than what I can show you. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny you say that because there was there was one uh, moment of like uh, violence in Get Out where they they cut away from it because I almost feel like they couldn't figure out oh, how right. to like execute it on screen because <laughs> it just seems very awkward what they're trying to do. It's like someone getting stabbed, but like the. Or it's like it's like a screwdriver, an ice pick. Or something. I think it's a letter opener. Letter opener. The, the mom tries to stab Chris with the letter opener, and that scene is super visceral because well, he, he just, just like, takes it. He just meets it open handed and lets it go all the way through his hand and like grabs her fist. Right, and then he like turns it around and twists it and stabs and her supp- somehow. And it's supp- yeah, it's supposed to be implied. I guess he like stabbed her in the eye or something. Right. But it's like no way that could have been done fast enough for. Like it all just seemed or wrong. Or she just dropped so, dead. You know, right? Yeah. yeah. So they just they just cut away from it, and it's yeah. fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's, it's whatever. Yeah. It's such a it's such no a quick problem. moment. Bradley Whitmore gets stabbed with a deer head just like a few minutes previous, and like Which I'm, is, I'm willing I to accept that. I remember thinking when I saw that deer up there, I was like, oh, we should grab that and use that as a weapon. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's so satisfying mm. too. It's not even the in, in Cabin in the Woods. He gets impaled by a unicorn, I believe. So it's uh, I guess it's just something you know. Oh, yeah. It's his uh, it's a shtick, you know. Also a great. Yeah, Yeah. Um, (laughs) I want to go back and talk about the acting for a second, too, because like I was saying earlier, I think all of the acting across the board is really phenomenal. The first time I was watching it, I thought for sure the weakest link was the actress who plays Rose. I was kind of like unconvinced, like she seemed kind of like almost overacting a little bit, like kind of cheesy. And I was like, well, this is kind of weird considering how great everybody else is. But then when it's revealed that she's been in on the plot all along, it's like, oh, that makes sense because her character is acting too. And then when we have that scene where Rod calls her to try to figure out what happened to Chris and we see her sitting there in her like Hitler youth get up uh, (laughs) and her voice is full of emotion, but her face is totally deadpan. Right. I thought that was a really great moment. Yeah, I like that um, uh, Allison Williams. She uh, she I don't I don't watch a lot of uh, of girls. My my dad watched her for a good while actually, so I'd see it sometimes with him. And uh, I always I mean like I I don't have a huge opinion on Lena Dunham either way, but I always thought the show. I mean the show is just sort of like an indie mumble chorus. Just I you honestly twenty somethings in New York. Her character so. in girls. That's like really? one of the reasons. <laughs> I I get I. Not a huge girls fan in general, just because I feel like none of the characters are even remotely likable. Like everyone in that show, except Adam Driver, he's the saving grace of that show. Oh well, yeah, Adam Driver is he? Yeah, he's he's but real good. What Matisse is saying about her, because I was you know I was watching this and I was like, yeah, she's annoying, she's annoying. But Matisse is right that you know she is acting in the movie, so it's she's just not that good of an actor. Like her character <laughs> in the movie Rose is not that good of an actor. Right? You know what she's saying like, no, I, oh, I, I love you. It's like shut up. 
She, right. You're not fooling and anyone. Then she's, and yeah, and just that scene, she's like, oh my God, what happened to Chris? But she's just like totally right. cold, stone faced. I thought it was like, oh man, that's fucking creepy. Yeah. No, and how she just like totally turns that obnoxious, like charming personality off. And that, mm. that super. Gets her milk out. That super unsettling scene where she's just sitting on her bed eating dry cheer or uh, fruit. <laughs> loops and sipping the milk separately she's keeping the That's white I would do, she's keeping the white separated from the, the color. colors oh, yeah Lord. it's like while while uh googling or excuse me uh searching on bing because for some oh, reason right? everybody in this movie uses same thing bing. with the windows with the yeah budget man uh, that's the most unrealistic part of that whole movie is the bing and the windows. <laughs> yeah exactly and she's she's searching on bing like uh top NCAA prospects or whatever. <laughs> She's like looking for her next right. her next victim. But see the 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 milk in the uh, the fruit loops wasn't even the weirdest part to me. It was that she grabbed a fruit loop and she didn't even like eat it whole. She just no, took a bite she took out of a it. Bite out that of was it. also how I that was, I uh, that was the creepiest Hannah. thing to me. <laughs> God. No, I I didn't even notice that last time because I was so set on like what the fuck she's <laughs> eating the Fruit Loops and drinking the milk separately. But I noticed that too this time where she takes a single Fruit Loop and she doesn't even put the whole thing in her mouth. She just like takes a bite out. Sociopath. Of it. I literally do <laughs> I that with Fruit Loops with chips. <laughs> Sociopath. Like, my boyfriend. With, okay, with <laughs> chips. With chips, I get it, but. Fruit Loops are so small. <laughs> well, like, okay, so I was at a baseball game with my boyfriend and his mom a couple weeks ago, and I was eating sunflower seeds. I also eat those one, like just the kernels. I eat those one at a time. And she was telling me that that was kind of psycho. <laughs> She's like, "You seem like kind of a psycho." You know? I was like, that. <laughs> She's like, "Are you picking out one at a time with your tiny hands?" And I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, "Wow, a tiny hand You're like, like a raccoon." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh, God, and the. The ending when she, uh, like you were talking about earlier, when uh, she's chasing him with the rifle mm-hmm. and uh, the get him, grandpa. That, <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of corny. And well, then because it feels almost like in, in, near the end, this is when we get the big reveals. They do a lot of flashbacks, and I think part of it is just like, okay, this is. I mean. This is for some of the audience members who might not, who have, might been not paying, have been paying close attention. attention. Yeah. So that that thing, because she also says grandma when because um, Chris hits uh, uh, the grandma with the car and right, uh, she's like grandma. Yeah, and then he, you know, because he he doesn't want to just leave her to die like on the road. He he brings her in the car because he he keeps associating it with his mom. Right. So he puts her in the which, car, which I like that that our main character his biggest like. His biggest obstacle is that he has like empathy, and so well, right. Point also, is he? I'm unsure. Is he totally aware that that's not her? I think so. He, he, know, he, knows, he knows what's because, going on because he knows that there's also that little. Oh, because he watched left. that little movie, right? right. right. And he yeah. he knows. Yeah, he knows that there's still like a little piece of her left. Be, yeah. Like when he at when he tells her earlier that like. Oh, being around all of these white people makes me really uncomfortable, and that seems to like sort of bring uh, Georgina's personality forward a little bit. Like right. she, she like a single tear like rolls she down her cheek, really and upset. she's like struggling to to keep control. And then when uh, Chris uses his flash to stun the grandpa, and uh, that that dude's personality comes out, and he shoots Rose in the stomach. 
and then kills himself. Yeah, that that moment where he, Chris crawls over to Rose and she's like, I love you. Oh I was going to be like, God. no, don't fall for that oh, bullshit. Because, and he's almost so looking, he's like, yeah, 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 that's nice. Yeah. As, he's he, as, as he's like wrapping his he's hands like around her. His eyes, like, around <laughs> yeah, her throat. Yeah, exactly, right, rolling down. He's like, okay. <laughs> I know, that was, that was so satisfying. And she's like, I love you. And he's just like, Shut he's like slowly up. like puts his hands around her throat and starts like choking the shit out of her and then you she gets that last little uh sociopathic moment where she like smiles at him she's as, like yeah choke me mother yeah. Yeah, like what is that i don't oh she bothers me <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh she's she's uh she's the fight ends up being the craziest out of all of right. them i think yeah. Yeah, uh, with those pictures that she puts up of all her all of her boyfriends that she had, all the black men that she has brought right, home. Right, and it's like her, her hunting trophies, over. just like yeah. the deer on the wall. And See, then, that, that raises this question, too, though. I was thinking when we were watching it, I wonder how far this goes. You know, where did all those men go? Because we only see three or four I was thinking the same people. thing. Because all of these old white folks are, like, part of some kind of secret society, it's right, implied. Like they, they don't really get into it. But, yeah, you would think that there would be more of their victims there if they're using those bodies right. than just... Lakeith Stanfield. Right. I mean, like, yeah, maybe- I just, I just sort of assumed it as a like the people that are coming there are there just for the auction. So. I suppose so. Oh, that right. could, sure. that could Which be. also makes it wonder, like, also, why is would- the woman there with Lakeith Stanfield? Like, does she want to be a dude? Which fine. I mean, hey, that's cool. You know? I mean, I, I suppose, I suppose that also it's probably kind of like a cover that it would be weird to have all of these like oh sure young, they're all like, missing at this point too. yeah they're all missing like all of these uh, young black men hanging around with these like snooty old rich white right. people all and dressed like Lakeith Stanfield and, <laughs> yeah. and behaving like all old white people hats. yeah I, I I guess they. I mean that it's not a big deal, but I was wondering the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. where where are all of these people? That's a good point, though. That they, a lot of the people that were there could come just for the auction. I feel like that's the right because right. that's that's a sort of I took assumption. the the gathering, just like that they were there for the, for the auction specifically. It just makes you wonder the, why Lakeith Stanfield is there in the first or, place. Yeah, right. I guess is, I guess it's maybe just to show off his new body or that whatever. That could be it because everyone is, like, looking at him. Yeah, and, when his wife comes over, she's like, oh, so-and-so wants wants to see you. Right. So well, I, it did happen, too, at the beginning of the movie, so it kind of alludes to the fact that maybe that was right. the most recent one. I, it's, it's, yeah, it's, right. a, it's, a plot, it's a plot device. Like, it, right. if you want to pick it apart, you can consider it somewhat of a plot hole, but it's, like, it's necessary. Well, there are for the progression of the movie. Like, right, it makes right, sense right. that people would come to do that. And there, it makes sense that they would send them off. Right, and there are a few things. Like, um, of course, when uh, Chris realizes that Rose is in on it, he finds the box of photos in her room, which I think has been something brought up already. It's like, why is that just like out there? Right. Which brings me back to that line, like, this is why I don't bring people to the house anymore. Maybe this was all, like, impromptu, or this isn't how they usually do it. And so, 
Like that's why they were taken down in the first place because we see that they're back up. When right after after they capture Chris, right. she, so it's she just hangs those... them all back up on right. her wall. So she just like her. she doesn't want to get rid of them. Well, it's weird too because she why would she take them out of the frames? You know, if you're gonna take them down, right. like, hide them anyway, just leave right. them in the frames. And like then hide them in like like a, a little closet space that you keep open the entire time. Right, it's right in the room in the room that you're sleeping in. Yeah. So those things. I mean, it's it's a hard thing trying to like talk about plot holes or why you can even excuse some plot holes in movies because like movies at the end of it, it it's ridiculous to think that like they should try and adhere to every single form of logic of course you want to have right. good structure it's, it's a it's but, a fictional narrative right at a certain know, point certain you, things you have to do in service of moving the plot forward. right and you have right. to accept that as long as it doesn't it doesn't betray any other sense like Sense of things that they've established before. Exactly, right. That it can still... Right. You can as, just say it's like, okay, that's just where... As long as, as long as you can maintain your suspension of disbelief, I right. think that's important. And, I mean, we're really getting nitpicky with some of these things because, like, ultimately watching the movie... It's easy to maintain that suspension right. of disbelief. No, that's, yeah. that's like, my fault too. It's just it's like, things. Like move, sorry, it, no, uh, it's just things that uh, I've seen other people bring up, like right. about the movie, and so right. it's just well, it doesn't doesn't really damper my my. No, 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 not not for me either. I mean, you can pretty much any movie like you can find things to pick apart if you want to get if you want to get really really like nitpicky. people will ask me like oh did you like this movie and i'd be like yeah i loved it and then i'll spew you into all like the small things like they could have done this this didn't really make sense like this right. was a little vague people are like oh i thought it was pretty good i'm like no i thought it was great as well i'm just telling you no see i i, had I, I, I do the movie. i do the same thing like as somebody who like examines movies critically even if there's a film that I love, it's hard for me to not like Notice pull those that. little things like, oh, well, they could have done this better. But it's like, that's the indication of a really good movie when like the things that you're having gripes about are just like super duper minor, you know? <laughs> well, a lot of times I feel like talking about those those small things though lead you into discussing different aspects of the movie. You know what I mean? Like yeah, maybe- it gets you involved more right. like in what it's actually trying to do because you start thinking like why? Well, sometimes did you they answer do those, those questions. So you're like, oh shit, I didn't realize that they do answer this. You know, or they do delve into this. It's just not as apparent, right? As you realize. Yeah, you talk yourself through it, kind right. of. I guess we should probably talk about the ending because there's definitely some things to oh, unpack yeah. there. Right as uh, Chris is choking Rose to death, a cop car pulls up. At least for me, the first time I saw it, and I think probably everybody's immediate yeah, assumption is, oh my God, rich, bougie, white family, all murdered, strange black man at the scene, choking a, a, a pretty white girl to death, covered in blood. Oh no, like he's going to get shot. Mm-hmm. Like the cops are going to shoot him or at the very least arrest him. And it's like, oh, no. And then the door opens and you see that the cop car is airport security and it's fucking TSA buddy steps out. And as they're driving away at the end, he's like, TSA, get shit done. I'm I'm TS motherfucking A. I mean, the obvious joke there is that TSA does not get shit done. Like... 
everybody's least favorite part of traveling is fucking dealing with TSA. Mm -hmm. And like, I've read all kinds of articles of like former TSA agents who is like, we're not really trained to, to do anything. Like if we did catch somebody, like if somebody did try to bring a bomb through security, we caught it. Like we're not really, we don't really know what to do with the bomb. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, the joke is that, he was somehow able to use his his TSA resources. His small well, see, in in, in some way that I, I I took it as a that it's because of the absurdity of the job that he undertakes. As he mentions in the beginning, that the next nine eleven is going to be done by some geriatric motherfuckers. Right. That he's just got a very weird way of look of looking at people's intentions. And I think it's that viewpoint that helps save Chris at the end because, right. I mean, Rod is essentially the hero in the movie that he's able to, to save Chris and, and, uh, and find him. And so I think it's almost like because the fact that Rod is a TSA agent, because we see the police, they all just, like, laugh him off. They think that he's completely insane right but that uh it's just because you know hey he is he has to watch out for old ladies trying to sneak in bombs and shit <laughs> and and he knows that jeffrey dahmer you know ate motherfuckers heads that uh yeah he's he, uh, he's he's willing to to uh, accept the absurdity except yes he won't believe in magic <laughs> right my my favorite part when he's got that whole giant like page full of details and he scribbles out magic he's like magic ain't real <laughs> So yeah, hey, that, he's, he's thinking about that it. That stuff is great. And I I really like that ending honestly because even though like just aside from an ending on uh, on a more lighthearted note, just the fact that Jordan Peele subverted the expectation that oh man, after everything he's been through, Chris is gonna end up shot. getting shot by the police because he's a black man in America. Well, and know? we say that because uh, turns out the original ending was going to be something much closer to what uh, what the expectation was when the cop car came. That yes, we it did. ends as Chris is has strangled Rose. The cop uh, lights flash and they arrest him, and we cut to Rod meeting Chris in jail and asking him to explain what happened. But Krista shuts him down and he says it doesn't matter that he stopped it. Yeah. And that's all that matters, that he well, stopped he it. He also says that he can't, they go over that he can't remember anything. He can't remember anyone's names. He can't remember, you know, exactly what happened. So he doesn't really have an alibi for the police. He can't really explain what happened. Right. And he's, he's, kinda. he's content in the fact that he even, the, even to, though he's going to be in jail for most likely the rest of his life, his own brain and body. that he's in his own brain and body and that he stopped it. Mm-hmm. Right. And now I, I, I like the, the, the ending that they went with too, because it's a, it is that moment where you think, oh shit. But you get like this this great uplift when you see him, and it actually like I remember in the theater like it got me really excited yeah, just to same. see him him show up. But I do like the alternate ending because it is unfortunately it's closer to what the reality may be in a situation like that. But Chris, he doesn't care. He doesn't he doesn't care about the fact that he's been uh, misrepresented and that he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail. The fact that he could in some way try and prevent this from happening to to other people was, right. was more than enough. So I, I, I agree that the the ending that we ended up with does work a lot better just a, as a whole, just to be like very satisfying. But the alternate ending, I'm glad that it is at least out there. I think that is. Yeah, you can find it. We watch it on HBO, right? right. 
right. Yeah, it seems to be. I didn't because uh, I had heard about it, but I didn't know it was actually shot. No, me either. And apparently, there were other endings in mind. There was one where Rod actually breaks into the compound, finds Chris, but Chris says essentially like. I don't mean to trouble you, but I don't know who you are. Something along those lines oh, where sure. we're supposed oh, okay. to realize that he's he's it's too late that he's already been hypnotized. So. You know, I just overall think that this kind of movie, I, I'm glad it ends happy, kind of, or at least right. positive. Yeah, normally, no, normally I I have problems with like no, light, lighthearted really... endings in dark movies, but in this case. Especially considering the like socio political stance that it's taking, it feels right for me to not go with the the darker, more realistic ending. To have it end on like a happy note, like oh man, he survived it. We think for a second that he's about to be screwed, but nope, his buddy came to save him. Right, and, and we don't and need to. Good. This it isn't a movie about uh, police injustice. No, or no, it's like not. That, it's so. not. And I mean, like I said, that is that kind of injustice is an extremely sad reality that people deal with in this country every single fucking day. And I I almost feel like it would have been kind of a cop out to end it See, that way. I agree because what you're saying with um with it being more realistic, you know, if he gets blamed blame, blame on him, he goes to jail. I agree that that's more realistic. But for me personally, it isn't as believable just for this specific film, just because we were talking about this earlier. And I mentioned that, you know, they would do some sort of investigation, like somebody would go to the house and they're going to find some things that are curious. And then I was thinking his fingerprints are all over the right, place. I mean, but the house burned down as well. What even That's about true. The, the house, he, the house yeah. did burn and down. I, I feel like in terms of that. Like the TSA agent showing up is is much more unbelievable. I'm happy with that well, ending. I was gonna say even but, though like you know because there were there were video, video recordings. You know like there are videos of them hypnotizing people and there are videos of them saying what they did. You know and I just I feel like it's there's way too much information and there are way too many people involved for him to just get like totally fucked over because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know what I mean? For everyone to just be like, all right, blame it on him. It's yeah, but then you got the the other thing. side. Like, what cop would believe that there was a, a, a hypnotist's cult ring abducting black people so that you could like transfer white people's minds into there? No, for sure. So but it's I, more I about think the looking into it. I think know, like, with the alternate ending, yeah, it it is very like it could be considered on the nose. And I think Jordan Peele, one reason he changed it too is because there was a recent influx of um, police on black shootings and it sort of made conversations about it uh, more woke, as he put it. So okay. he felt that it, it didn't even need, it wasn't something that needed to be said at that point. Because, well, sure. as, as I mean, the way we feel it as a cop-out now, it's because the discussion has been out there more. Well, yeah, I mean, it right. still it still makes you think about it the way it ends as it is. Because, like I said anybody's immediate assumption when that cop car pulls up is, oh, oh shit, this guy's going to get shot. He's going to get right. shot. And I think Jordan Peele like, felt he could still, that if he could still give that effect to people, it would be enough to give right. them that and effect. Right, and that's what I like so much about it, because you do get that subversion where you're expecting the worst, and then it actually ends better. And it's right. kind of like... It's kind of like a like a relief. It's like, oh, thank God, it's just Rod. Well, it's Rod's right. come to save him. You know, well, that's what I mean. I feel like by believable is that they because obviously things happened after you know after the TSA dude picked him up. Obviously, police got involved at some point with of someone, course. but 
This way, it's just like they escaped, they went off, like shit got figured out. But then the other way, it's like, you know, I, I'm asking myself, oh, he's in jail. Like, didn't they look into the missing people that were there? Didn't they look into, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. And it, it's, that's what I mean by believable. They just bring up less questions, I feel like, with the ending that they went with. It ties it up neatly, I right. think, which is nice. Well, shit, do you guys want to go ahead and rate this? Yeah. No, anything, yeah. anything else you guys want to get into? No, I, I'm fine if we want to just jump into ratings. Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think we've gone pretty pretty in-depth with this. Uh, we avoided a lot of like specific plot points, but you know, if you haven't seen this movie, you definitely should. It's really, really smart, extremely well done, phenomenal acting, looks great. The cinematography is great. Shot in my hometown, Fairhope, Alabama, represent, I guess. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I love this movie. I I liked it even more on uh, second viewing, and um, I cannot wait to see what Jordan Peele does next. Because if it's uh, if this is any indication of quality, I think that he's got an excellent career as a filmmaker ahead of him. Uh, I'm going to give this a perfect five out of five. I have very Love little it. little wrong with this movie. I, I think it's a it's a pretty perfect film all around. For me, I'm gonna give it a five out of five as well. It is a movie that helps to that that really succeeds in being funny and unsettling. It says a lot, but never feels like it's uh, it's trying to say anything that it doesn't understand. I mean, it, that it doesn't uh, become pretentious. It's it, no, that's that's another thing that I think we should we should emphasize is that it's very smart in its commentary, but it's not preachy at all. Absolutely. It's I not. That, I, and I think it's a really good point to bring up. Any, any movie that has a message runs the risk of being preachy. It's hard. It's, it's a hard. struggle to... It, it is. Yeah. And uh, the fact that uh, Jordan Peele can write and direct such a, a, a poignant film that has so much to say without feeling like it's trying to shove something down your throat, I think is is just more of a uh, an indication of, of his skill and yeah. talent. No, it certainly, it deserved all the praise that it got. It makes me very excited to see what... I wish it had won with. more Oscars. Like it's, yeah. I, agree, I agree with that, especially just because I feel like it wasn't up against anything. I feel like there were, there were a good amount of... I'm, I'm pretty happy with how most of the Oscars went. There wasn't really anything that I was... Um, I was too in terms of what ended up winning otherwise. I feel like it was just it was a it was a pretty good year for a lot of a lot of movies. I mean, if it wasn't Shape of Water, I would have wanted it to be get out, but I'm I'm happy Shape of Water won, so this is my feeling on it. So, I like yeah. Shape of Water, but I, I think Get Out deserved it a little more. But yeah. that's that's beside the point. Right, we, yeah, all, no, we all we all we all know what the Academy's about. <laughs> yeah, the Academy's about about fish fucking, so That's right. That's right. No, Shape of Water that's was right. definitely Oscar bait. <laughs> but right. yep, five out of five for me. Hannah? Um, you guys make me want to give it a five out of five, but I gotta, I gotta go four out of five. Um, you can, I, we, we do do half ratings as well. I would do well, four and a half so. out of five. Okay. Just, and, cause it's, it's. I'm not that now that we're trying to influence your rating, no, but just so, just so you know how we do things around here. I was gonna here. ask, actually. I would, it would bounce between four, four and a half, and it's, it's not that there was anything, you know, I don't have a problem with it at all. I agree with everything you guys are saying. I think that Jordan Peele did an amazing job. The writing, the acting was phenomenal. I agree with all that. I, I guess I've. It didn't leave me feeling any sort of emotional way. You know, like, I don't... Sure. It's not stuck in my head. I'm not going to be thinking about it. You know, I just have seen movies that have 
affected me on a deeper level that I've appreciated more. Sure. And that's that's really it. I I almost don't want to give it a five because I feel like this is not going to be Jordan Peele's best work. I feel like what he's going to come out, out with in the future that's is going to be a little fair. better. I feel like that's he's very going to fair. find his flow, and I feel like he's only going to get better. So I don't think that this is going to be his top movie. So four and a half for four you? Four and a half out of five. All right. Well, that still gives Get Out an extremely strong average rating of 4.8 out of five pods. So uh, if that isn't a resounding recommendation from us here on the show, then I don't know what the fuck is. <laughs> so uh, get out and see Get Out. <laughs> All right. Well, that will bring us to the end of this episode. If you like the show, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to your podcasts that allow you to rate. You can... Follow uh, the show on social media at Pod People Pod on Facebook and Twitter. We have also updated our Letterboxd page recently. Uh, ben went through and wrote a bunch of little mini reviews for some of our movies and put links to the episodes there. And you can see a whole catalog of every movie we've talked about on the show with the corresponding review. So uh, check that out. That's letterboxd.com. L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D dot com slash pod people pod. So uh, check that out. And, uh, you know, that's a that website is a is a great tool for logging and rating and reviewing your films. Matisse turned me onto that website and I gotta say I have been loving it. It's really dope. As a film uh, fan, it's great. Yeah, you can follow, you know, people and read their reviews. It's it's a great uh, outlet for for discussing movies with other people. So yeah, definitely uh, check that out. Um, if you have any recommendations for us, questions, concerns, you can email us at podpeoplepod at gmail. Uh, also, we check our social media regularly, so you can uh, hit us up on there. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Mr. Van Awesome if that's your jam. Uh, do you guys have anything that you would like to plug before we sign off? I don't think so. Henry's is back up and running. Hey, if you live in Milwaukee, go to Henry's Tavern on Bellevue. It's great. I'm, I'm a little biased because I've worked there for a long time, but uh, great atmosphere. Uh, so if you live in Milwaukee, hit that shit up. Eugene? I'm really just, you know, you got a Netflix account or you're using your cousin. Just, like, watch some more shit. I don't know. Like... <laughs> they put a lot of work into their originals. Go watch. Since I've been watch. unemployed, I've watched like 500 horror movies. Hey, there you go. Yeah, take advantage. Yeah. Even stop, the shitty ones. Stop, stop, stop trying to get more services. You got enough. Come on. <laughs> watch Big Mouth or something. <laughs> so that's watch, all check out Evil Genius that just went out. Oh, yeah. Like, a, hey. great, a great uh, four-episode miniseries, True Crime. Like, that's it's fucking awesome. I watched the whole thing in one sitting the other day. So yeah. definitely go. check good that endorsement. out. Well, thanks so much for listening. As always, uh, we'll be back at you next week with uh, another mini pod review. I, it's looking like we're going to do Piranha 3D next. That may change. That seems the most likely. So uh, until next time, we are the pod people. I'm Matisse Van Rossum. Ah, uh, who am I? You figured it out by now. Go watch some Netflix. Don't pay attention to me. That's Eugene. <laughs> and thanks so much for joining us, Hannah. It was a great fucking time. Love you, Love you too. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, stay woke. Stay woke.